Hello everyone and welcome to the Reframe the Future podcast. I'm your host Connor Smith aka The Conjurer for those of you who know me and welcome to episode two. I hope you all enjoyed episode one. It wasn't uh, an amazing episode but it, it was an episode that had to be done and so on this episode we are going to be diving straight in with something that I want to do on this podcast and that's true crime, uh, studying true crime cases and f- so for the first episode we've gone for a case uh, that's fairly close to home. It happened in Fairham, which isn't too far from where we live. So I wanted to address this one first and see what the feedback is like on it from you guys. And so, yeah, without further ado, let's get straight into details and see what happened. Keeper's Cottage was a stud farm in Fairham. It was run by 82-year-old John Lowe, his on-off girlfriend at the time, Christine Lee, and her daughter, Lucy. The mother and daughter had been helping John out on his stud farm since the loss of his partner in 2012. Christine had been described by the neighbours as chatty and very nice and friendly, whereas Lucy had been described as being very spiritual and kept to herself. Lucy's partner, Matthew Richardson, described John Lowe as very charming but also very difficult, saying he would often throw a tantrum like a baby throwing their toys out of a pram. Lowe had a gun licence and owned several shotguns which he kept locked away in a cabinet. So, so far, you know, there are fairly... They're a fairly normal family, it seems. They, you know, they live on a stud farm uh, out in Ferrum. You know, it was a huge countryside over there, so nothing too out of the ordinary. He owns several shotguns, which you know is again standard issue for farmers, really, and things like that. So let's carry on reading. In May 2013, after reports of John Lowe threatening his family, police officers would confiscate the firearms from him, only to return them to him two months later. Now, this becomes a very big point later on in the case as to whether the police acted correctly or not. You know, because the thing is, you know, you have to consider both sides of the story. Yes, John Lowe was threatening his family, and so therefore he shouldn't be in possession of firearms. However, no crime had actually been committed at the time, rather than a few he-said-she-said scenarios. So it does leave the debate as to whether the gun should have been returned to their owner uh, or not. But nevertheless, let's move on to the next, next few details. Now, this is where the story does take a turn for the worst, so... If you're of a sensitive nature and you're very heavily affected by things like this, maybe this isn't the podcast for you uh, because do, things do get very dark and very grim uh, very quickly. So, yeah, you have been warned. But if you are a true crime fan and you want to know, please do carry on listening as I carry on sharing these details with you. So, on the 23rd of February 2014, Lucy called Matthew Richardson in somewhat of a panic, asking him to come and pick her up because John Lowe was asking for the key to the gun cabinet, as she had taken them off him because she felt threatened uh, and feared for the safety of her and her mother. So, as we established in the first uh, part of the show, John Lowe is a very short-tempered man. Uh, He was also described as being very unwell, very malnourished. And uh, malnourished, that's what I meant to say. And, uh, yeah, he was known for being very short-tempered and, you know, doing things that he would probably later on regret. And Lucy being... um, feeling threatened by this she had taken the keys off the gun cabinet uh off, she'd taken the keys off of him and therefore and he was now obviously very upset by this and throwing as richard uh richardson had said before throwing a tantrum and getting very uh agitated by this so matthew told police that he could hear low in the background of the conversation becoming agitated so he agreed to pick her up at three in the afternoon not long after this john low did again access the cabinet he took out a shotgun. He went into the living room where Christine Lee was. 
She began to cower and plead for her life in the corner of the living room before Lowe would shoot her point blank in the chest. This is quite... That's quite hard to hear, isn't it? And it's it's quite upsetting that, you, you know, he, he looked her in the eyes before he did it. He You know, she she saw him come in with the shotgun and all she could do was plead for her life and he wouldn't listen. And he, he's... He was probably... In, he probably enjoyed it in his own weird psychotic way. I know that's strange to say, but these people that you know it is interesting to think about what what would go on in their head because he could have just killed a point you know could have walked in and just shot her and killed a point blank where she was but he, he you know she turned around and she saw him and she cowered and begged for her life and that's when he chose to strike so it goes to speak of the kind of person that he is so upon hearing the gunshot lucy ran out of the cottage to the main road uh, where she would call the police her final words being I don't know if I'm going to be alive if I go back there. He shot my mum. Bye. So Lucy has run out to the main road. She's gone down the path and gone out to the main road where she's called the police. And you can find the phone call online. If you if you Google uh, Keeper's Cottage Stud, you will find across a ton of news websites and on YouTube the phone call between Lucy and the 999 operator. And it is some really heart-wrenching stuff. She's explaining to him, uh, to the her, the operator, about her mum being shot and... And despite all of this, she says that, you know, she's going to go back there knowing that she could, she might, she won't come out of there alive, knowing that she, she, there's a good chance that she might be shot and killed. She can't, she can't leave her mum in that situation. So she decides to go back and help her after calling the 999 operator. And I think that's extremely noble. Um, and what hap- what transpires later on, it makes it even more tragic. She, the fact that she could have got out of there alive if she, if she, you know, if she, was that way inclined, but she decided to go back and help out her poor mum who was bleeding out in the living room. So Lucy returned to the house to try and help her mum who was bleeding out in the living room. It is believed that John Lowe shot Lucy in the back of the head in the utility room as there were traces of her blood in there before she stumbled out and collapsed on the steps behind the house where she would pass away. So Lucy's obviously running around the house from John Lowe. Her body was discovered on the steps around the back of the house uh, and there is police helicopter footage of of the area and there is a blurred out image where her body was laying so she her body was found on the steps but it's believed that she was shot in the utility room the shot was taken from about nine feet gun experts reckon but they reckon that she was shot in the utility room due to the fact that there was her, some of her blood in there so they reckon that he shot her in there in the back of the head she stumbled out onto the steps before she would eventually succumb to blood loss so, when the armed response team arrived, and again, there is police helicopter footage of this that you can find on YouTube and all the news, news media outlets. When they arrived, John Lowe gave himself up straight away. He handed over the shotgun, put his hands up, and he was arrested very quickly. He told the arresting officer, PC Chris Gleason, they've been giving me shit for weeks. So he is immediately confessing to the arresting officer that he has done these things and his excuse is that is that they were giving him grief basically he was getting irritated and very short temper with them because of whatever it is that they were, they were doing and he saw that as a reason an excuse to take their life which is is horrible this man obviously i mean the, th- the thing is he's a very old man so how he's come so far without hurting anybody with this temper and this mindset it is beyond me this must be something that has is triggered in him very recently. Maybe the loss of his his partner in 2012, maybe that triggered something inside of him, something that he, you know, had up to that point suppressed. You know, that the people like this they often try and suppress who they are and if this was who John John Lowe was, 
maybe his partner was the only thing keeping him from going down this dark path and having losing her was something that then pushed him over the edge and then just the smallest little things would then begin to irritate him and maybe on that day Christine and Lucy had done something that irritated him to the point of no return and that's when he decided to carry out these these horrible acts uh so Gleason also stated that Lowe would later add that the women needed to be put down. So again, this is adding to this idea that John Lowe has he sees this as he sees it as justified. Like he sees it as, oh, they you know, they were annoying me, they were giving me grief, they deserved to be executed in this manner. Which is what he did. He executed Christine Lee, you know, the way she was, you know, she was pleading for her life and he just shot her point blank in the chest. You know, that is point blank execution. Like there's 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 no other word to describe it. He and he feels like it's justified that that he would just execute these women where they were where they were standing because they were just annoying him or getting on his nerves a little bit. It's it's crazy. During the trial, uh, Lowe would insist that the shootings were actually accidental. He would he said that he was he was actually trying to go out and shoot the dogs, which he did end, actually end up doing when Christine originally fled the house and went to the road to call the police. During that time, L- John Lowe did actually go out to the uh, to the kennels and shoot all the dogs. Um, I think it was about two or three dogs, maybe or four, something along those lines. There, was, there wasn't many, but he would. He insisted that he was trying to shoot the dogs, and uh, it, it was an accidental shooting of both of both women. But that was very quickly debunked by a gun expert who said, "You don't just touch it and it goes off. You have to physically move your finger to pull the trigger back." So it was very quickly, it was very quickly debunked that it wasn't an accident and that John Lowe very much intended on killing those women. And of course, obviously, the testifications of the police officer saying that John was in no way, shape, or form remorseful towards these women. He was he was smiling when he was arrested. The initial statements that he'd said to Chris Gleason when he was, excuse me, when he was arrested. All these different things, obviously, all these things are point pointed towards him very clearly executing these women and showing no remorse. You, you know, he this is he committed two murders on the basis that he was annoyed and then tried to cover them up after after confessing to them no less he then tried to cover them up by saying that it was an accident which to anybody with any common sense it obviously wasn't you don't you don't accidentally shoot two women in two different locations with a shotgun which is a very powerful gun obviously i'm not an expert but i think it's a fairly well-known fact that a shotgun is a very powerful uh, weapon and it takes a lot of force to try and to do that so for him to shoot two women and then try and claim it was an accident is atrocious and but it was very obviously sought through and they very quickly worked out that he was lying and the jury obviously convicted him of being guilty so on the 29th of october he was sentenced to 25 years in prison which garan almost guaranteed that he would die in prison so it was essentially a life sentence for him being a he was 82 at the time 25 years that's that's basically a life sentence for him. And uh, John Lowe would remain in prison until his death on the 4th of August 2018. So that's the case. That's that's what happened, essentially. Um, let's go into why this became a very big talking point and the controversial topics surrounding the case. So as I said before, this case was very well talked about. You know, it was very controversial due to the fact that the year prior to the murder, John had threatened both of his both of his family members with a shotgun and had his guns taken off of him by police. Now, the thing is with threats is it's word of mouth. There is no physical evidence unless the conversation was recorded, which it obviously wasn't. It's all he said, she said. So if John was to threaten Christine and Lucy with the shotgun, 
there is no proof that he did that. And the psych- psychological evaluation deemed John fit enough to have the guns, which was then returned to him two months later, and then, of course, the murders happened uh, October following. Now, the thing is with John Lowe is, as far as I could tell from my research, there was no history of mental health issues. He was 92 years old. He wasn't in his middle ages. You know, he wasn't growing up. He'd gone his whole life without an incident. To tell you the truth, I believe that this was down to the loss of his partner in 2012, two years before the murders. Now, again, John's 82. It's not stated anywhere how long he was with his previous partner for, but you can imagine that they were together for a long time, like the majority of their lives. And I'm sure the loss of his partner, who goes unnamed, um, hit him hard. And I'm sure it sent him down a path that he very, you know, he hadn't been down before. Uh, he was described by uh, Matthew Richardson, who again is the partner of Lucy. Uh, he was described as being extremely under the weather and very malnourished. Malnourished. I can't say that word today. He wasn't good financially, physically, or in any way. He de- he very much depended. He very much depended on Christine and Lucy. He would tell the court during Lowe's trial, without Christine and Lucy, John wouldn't be here today. So John obviously let himself go after the loss of his partner. As I said before, he was very ag- very easily agitated, very ill, you know, very short-tempered. And clearly, as I've said before, this was clearly just his breaking point. The loss of his partner, in my opinion, clearly got to him. It affected him a lot. And that is why he went out and did these did these heinous crimes and it was it's absolutely disgusting the way he he obviously carried out the murders and you got a feel for christine and, and lucy who you know feared for their lives lucy who went back even though she didn't have to you know she really didn't she could have called the police and waited outside for the police to arrive before she went back in to see her mum but she wanted to make sure that her mum was okay and you can give nothing but praise and admiration to this woman for what she did you know sacrificing her own life to try and save her mother's you know, you just got a feel for the families of these of these women, but nevertheless. So the question is, should the police have given John Lowe his gun backs? Again, it's difficult. He had a gun license, and I don't know much about getting gun licenses. But if you have a gun license, you know it's not as easy as in America. If you have a gun license in this country, to me, you know you'd you'd have to have gone uh, undergone an evaluation and some kind of you know background check to make sure that you were capable of having the gun. Which John obviously passed, otherwise he wouldn't have got the license. So he was obviously deemed uh, worthy of having a a weapon, a firearm. He possessed multiple firearms. So they, the the police obviously didn't see any issue up until that point with him having any firearms. Now, when the threats were, when the, the reports of the threats came in, obviously the the firearms taken away from him because he was deemed a threat. Now again, it was just he said, she said. There was no proof of the of the threat any going anywhere else, and so obviously they then checked and reevaluated John Lowe, of which he once again passed. He passed the reevaluations, and that is what allowed him to get his gun backs. So, is it fair to blame the police for these murders? That's down to your interpretation. In a way, it is. It's a hard one, isn't it? It is a hard one unless you actually work there. It's difficult. Are the police some responsible for this? Again, you could argue yes or no. Should obviously in hindsight, looking back at it in hindsight, you know hindsight is a beautiful thing. John Lowe shouldn't have had those guns if they had taken the guns off of him and not given them back. Christine and Lucy could still be alive today. Having said that, would John Lowe have needed a gun to execute execute his plan 
or not even maybe even his plan. Maybe it was manslaughter. Maybe he hadn't decided it until the day. But my point is, would he have needed his shotguns to do this to carry out the murders? Because I feel like even if John Lowe didn't have his shotguns, he would have done something else. He would have gone to the kitchen and found a knife. He would have used some kind of farming equipment. It seemed that John had very much reached his breaking point at that point. And he had decided in that moment that he needed these women dead. As he'd said when he'd been arrested, he said that they'd been giving him shit for weeks. He said that they needed to be put down. So to me, that just says that John Lowe was going to carry out these murders regardless of what he had around him. And the firearms just the easiest thing to do. I mean, they're you know they're guns. It's a shotgun. Shotguns are very very nifty weapons. They get the job done. So he obviously saw that as the as the means of taking their lives. However, if he didn't have those shotguns with him, he probably would have done something else. So maybe, in my opinion, the police aren't to blame for this. They aren't responsible. They did everything they could. They carried out the background checks. You know, they they did their evaluations. John Lowe came through clean. So they had no reason not to trust him with the firearms. Should they have taken the reports of the threats more seriously? Yes, possibly. Maybe they should have separated him from the couple, from the pair rather. You know, kept Lucy and Christine separate from him. But at the same time, Christine and Lucy, Lucy chose to stay there. You know, I'm not blaming the victims, obviously. That, you know, that should go without saying. I'm not blaming them. They were obviously trying to help out an otherwise very sick and and alone man who was obviously going through some tough times. But they chose to stay with him. You know, maybe they had, maybe the police had tried to separate them, but they were insistent on staying with him. And that's a truly tragic part of the story is that these two women were just trying to do their best and trying to help him out. And he lost his temper in a small moment and and committed these crimes. But that's the world we live in, unfortunately. But... Let me know what you what you think. Whether, do you think the police is responsible, partly to blame for these murders, or do you think that they did everything they could in trying to help the the in trying to help the case and trying to stop everything they could? They were there fairly fairly quickly when the the response team had been called. I must say, and they arrested him obviously straight away. He handed himself in, but nevertheless, they did everything they could in that moment. So let me know what you you know. I've given my opinion. You know, I don't think the police are to blame. Or are, are to be, obviously, John Lowe is to blame. But I don't think the police are partly responsible for this. But feel free to message me and let me know. Drop me a DM and tell me what you think. Well, nevertheless, that is going to conclude the first episode of the true crime segment of the of the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed this case. I certainly enjoyed studying it. Well, enjoyment isn't a word you use, is it really? You don't... In- you don't enjoy reading about it, but you also—it's intriguing, isn't it? It's—it's it's intriguing to know what what's going on inside these people's heads. And if you want to discuss it more, again, feel free to message me. I would love to discuss this case more. Like I say, it, it hits differently, I think, because it's closer to home in far in, you know, in Farnham, and in, which isn't too far away. I did—I have actually driven past where the cottage used to be. It's not there anymore. It has since been demolished, but I have driven past there, the 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 patch of land where the cottage was, and it it's. It is very eerie, um, and so yes, there's definitely a, there's definitely an aura of sadness there. Like you say, like I say, because uh, due to the fact that Lucy had to go back and try and save her mum and walked into gunfire, and and Christine cowering in the corner trying to you know trying to save her own life, and you know to no avail. It it is quite a sad story, and like I say, it hits close to the home because it, how close it is to us. But nevertheless, let me know your opinions. Let me know what you think of the story. You know, if you want to discuss anything or ask any questions, I will try and answer them to the best of my ability. 
Let me know what you think. Let me know if you think that the police were partly to blame due to the fact that they gave him his guns back or whether you think that they did everything in their power. You already know my opinion. If there are any cases that you want me to look into, feel free to let me know. I hope you guys did enjoy this episode. I feel like this episode is a lot better than the first one I did. The first one I was kind of just rambling to the microphone, just letting you guys know what was going to be going on here. And I feel like this one is this one's a lot better because it's kind of... It's what I want to do with this show. I wanted to share and discuss and what's going on in the world. So I hope you guys enjoyed nevertheless. Stay safe out there, people, okay? Be careful of people like this, all right? And I hope you all enjoyed. Feel free to give me a follow on Instagram if you haven't already, at Refrain Future Podcast. And, of course, you can follow me, my personal account, at Trendle 9 I hope you all have a good day. Stay safe out there, people, all right? Enjoy. I hope you guys enjoyed this second episode of Reframe the Future podcast. All right. Stay safe out there.